Welcome to the podcast from Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Ormo campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation and our world. This is week two of our No One Is Beyond Reach series. And today I want to talk about a concept or a word that we throw out a lot. We don't always grasp the full meaning of it. And that is the word hope. I want to talk about the fact that no one is beyond the reach of God's hope. See, everywhere we look today, there's things that invade your senses, aren't they, that promise hope. Whether ads, billboards, I'm standing in front of the speakers, this is going to be challenging. Ads, billboards, pop-ups on your Facebook page. Wherever you go, there's things that give you images of hope. You see, marketing executives, advertisement professionals, they know that if they sell hope to people, we will invest our lives, we'll invest our money, we'll work overtime, we'll work weekends to invest everything in the promise of the great life, the comfortable life, the attractive life, the better life. You see, if we can sell hope to people, hope that there is something ahead that is better, we grab people in every sense. People will invest everything for the sake of grabbing a hold of something in the future that they so desperately desire. And so many of us have been sucked in to some of those stories of hope. We spend all our time living towards that point. Yet unfortunately, none of those things that are promised ever bring the fulfilment and the life that we so desperately hope for because hope is never found in things. See, hope is such a challenging concept to define or to get our head around. The biblical understanding, the biblical definition of hope in so many ways is almost the antithesis. It goes against the way that we use that word in common vernacular. Like I hope that it's gonna be sunny next year in church camp because... Rain on a camp is not a good thing. I hope that my footy team wins this weekend. That's the way that we use the word hope. But listen to what the Scripture says. Hebrews 11.1, it's a fairly well-known verse. It says this, faith, another concept that we try to define and get our head around. It says, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Faith is confidence in what we hope for. You see, hope defined biblically isn't chance or luck or just the thing that we wish comes to be. Hope is putting terms of confidence and assurance. It's like this. It's, it's, imagine you look at your calendar and I do this regularly and your calendar is just overwhelmed with things. And anyone here that's got you know, young kids, it may not just be your calendar, but their calendar. And you're looking at it thinking, I've got so much stuff on. How am I going to do this next season of life? But as you're looking at your calendar, you notice at the end of the week or at the end of the month, there's a little slot where everything's been pulled out of it and it just says holidays. Who loves seeing that on their calendar? Holidays. You see, when we see that word holidays or weekend off or day off or whatever it is for you, it transforms the way we live this moment because suddenly everything in this moment, so everything about this week, everything about the tasks of this week and the nights we're going to have out and the car mile, you know, the distance we're going to have to drive to get our kids places is transformed in light of what is to come. See, that's very much like what the Bible talks about in hope. 
You see, the holiday hasn't materialised yet. The holiday hasn't arrived. We can't see it. We're not experiencing it. We're not living it, but we know it's coming. And because we know it's coming, something is transformed about the way we do today because of the thing that's coming in the future. See, that's very much the way the Bible talks about hope. Because in our Christian life, We have an assurance of what the future looks like, which we call hope. It transforms everything about now and what is to come. But hope still is a challenging concept to get our head around. And hope is a concept that really only takes on meaning in light of death. I don't want to talk about, we don't like talking about things that bring us down. We don't like talking about things that make feel us great. But the reality is that what we see on stage today in these props that I have here is the very thing that will define this group of people in a hundred years time. You see, the one thing I can speak to you with assurance today is that at some point your life will be defined like this, that our lives collectively will be defined like this. And I don't know the time, I don't know the moment, but at some point there will be one of these crosses located somewhere that will have my name on it with the thing we know, which was the year of my birth, a dash, and a yet-to-be-determined date. I know the first two numbers of it, I'm pretty sure about that. But as of yet, I don't know what the rest of those numbers will be. And you see, hope takes on new light when we have to consider death because it's going to be part of all of our stories. You see, where our hope for the future lies will determine our attitude to this moment. The one thing I know is this. This is a certain. And right now, this dash, we could write this. Insert story here. When you get a contract and there's a line and it says insert name or insert answer, it's like the dash is going to define the story that we live. You see, for some of us, our dash is going to say 1979, generous life date. For some of us, it might say 1979, self-centered life dash or joyous life dash or sad life or here was a life given for others or here was a life of great wealth or here was a life lived in poverty you see all of us are writing a story that sits in that dash and it's here that I want to talk about hope this morning because hope transforms life our understanding and our grasp of hope will transform the story we write on our dash Because the vision of what is to come transforms the way we live this moment. See, if we believe that there is nothing beyond this life, that if the number that is yet to be filled in on your story and my story is the end of life, it so easily leads us to live a self-centered, self-selfish life right now. Because if we believe we just have a set amount of time just to drag everything out of this life that we can, we live life in such a way that doesn't really matter what happens with everybody else, but really matters about what happens to us because we have to get the most joy and the most pleasure and the most experience out of this life that we possibly can because we live based on the vision of what is to come. 
But if we have a vision that says there is life beyond the number that is yet to be put on those crosses, we live a very different life today. Because hope transforms the life that you live. The greatest example of this, and we've spoken about this many times, but is the life of the very first disciples. You see, they experienced the resurrected Christ. And in the resurrection of Christ, we're told that, that death is no longer the end of the story. And the disciples got a hold of this for their own life. And suddenly it transformed everything about the way that they live life today. And we saw a whole bunch of men and women who dedicated their life to the cause of the gospel, who dedicated their life to planting churches, who dedicated their life to the work of global mission, going to the far ends of the earth, proclaiming the good news about Jesus, who dedicated their life to generosity, giving what they had so that poor could be lifted out of poverty, who dedicated their life not to comfort and safety and security and big houses and great cars, but dedicated their life because they knew that the hope that they were offered was something that was much greater than what they could suck out of the 30 or 40 years that were still remaining in their story. See, if we get a hold of the hope that Jesus brings, it transforms the way we live right now. The story that we will write, that one day will be defined by a dash between two numbers, will be a story of great joy, a great adventure of living life for the cause of Christ. This is a time where we celebrate the work of a whole bunch of our people and projects as we celebrate some of our gateway global workers. And it's one of the aspects that when we ask you to give in a couple of weeks that you're going to give to help support some of these people and some of these projects. And some of the people that are represented in our gateway global team are some of my heroes of the faith. I got to sit with one of them this week. He came and met at our staff meeting and he's going to be sharing, I think, next week at the celebration night. He's a guy by the name of Morris. Morris, for over 40 years now, 42 years, has been dedicating his life to serving the poor in South Asia. He spent 10 or 15 years living in South Asia and now he travels there half a dozen times a year, spreading through word and through action the good news about Jesus. See, Morris lives with a hope that the number that will be one day on his cross is not the end of his story. You see, when we live that kind of hope, we live a life very different today than the one we would choose if we have no hope. One of my other heroes is a guy by the name of Neil. Some of you know Neil. He's been down here. He shared before. Neil is a surgeon and uh, one of the top surgeons in Queensland. He actually operated on me many years ago. My life was in Neil's hands at a point about 15 years ago. And Neil had the opportunity, you can imagine when you're one of the top surgeons, you have the opportunity to probably write your own future. He had the chance to sign up for a pretty comfortable life, sign up for a great retirement package, to sign up for comfort and joy and experience, traveling the world, doing whatever he chose to do. Well, Neil signed up for one part of that. He chose to travel the world, but it wasn't to better his own experience of life. You see, God captured Neil's heart for the poor in Africa. And he now works in a country where there's one surgeon for every million people of population. And so he's dedicated his life now. He's sold his practice here in Brisbane and he dedicates his life to actually training others so that the poor can be lifted out of poverty. You know why Neil does that? Because he believes in the hope of Jesus. 
And where his dash lies, one day there'll be a great and a glorious story written about somebody who believes so much in the resurrection and his promise of what Jesus was going to do for him one day, that he chose to be transformed in this moment. You see, every single one of us has a choice about what we're going to write in the insert story here, part of our story. What are you going to write in your story? What are you going to write in your story? See, if we get a hold of hope, not as some chance thing that might happen one day, but some assurance of what Christ has done and what Christ will do for us, it transforms the life we live now. But hope doesn't just transform life. Hope transforms us in death. If I'm ever part of a funeral that you're associated with or you invite me to do a funeral, there's one passage that I can probably 98% guarantee I will preach on until I've done too many and I need to change it up. And it comes from 1 Thessalonians verse 4. It says this, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like those who have no hope. We do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those that have fallen asleep in him. I love this passage because when any of us confronts death and right now I know this is a really real and raw subject for some of us and If it's not, it will be because this is a reality that all of us have to face, not just in ourselves, but in those around us. And for any of us that this is a raw subject, there's there's something incredibly powerful about hope. And Paul writes to the church in Thessalonica and he says, "I, I want you to just get a hold of the story of Jesus for just a moment. Because when you face death and when you grieve in the midst of death and we all grieve in the midst of death because we say farewell, but Paul wants to say, no, no, when you say farewell, it's not goodbye forever. Don't grieve like those who have no hope. I want you to get a hold of the promise of Jesus in death. And it's this, that Jesus himself walked through death, was raised to life and then promised that same story for all those that put their faith in him. We do not grieve and mourn like those who have no hope because hope came in the resurrection of Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 says this, Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. That's good news. But listen to the good news for us. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a human being, the resurrection from the dead comes through a human being. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ, all will be made alive. You see, Christian hope is a hope that says, one day when your number is written, it's not the end of your story. I hope that they put on my gravestone something like this. I'm not even going to try and predict the number, but I hope there's a dash that goes beyond. Because that's the promise of Jesus. That because of what's happened to him, we are promised a brand new life, resurrected life, life eternal in him. You see, hope transforms not just the way we live life today, but it transforms the way we face and approach death. And finally, I want to say this that hope transforms the way we live life in the midst of death. So hope transforms our life, hope transforms death, but hope transforms the way we live life in the shadow of death. I want to read you a story from the life of Jesus. It comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 7. 
And it says this. Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain. And his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. And as he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. Just, just get a hold of that before we jump on. Jesus comes to a town called Nain and being carried out in a funeral procession. In a Middle Eastern funeral procession, it was loud, it was noisy, it wasn't quiet and solemn like the ones that we're so used to. There would be people, almost professional mourners, that would walk with the the, uh, coffin as it was carried through town, wailing and making the grief heard for all to see. And people were doing that to make it easy for everybody else to experience their grief. And so a funeral was a noisy moment. And so Jesus comes to this town and all this noise is going on because there is a coffin being carried through town. And listen to what the story tells us. Or who was impacted by that story? The only son of a mother who was a widow. And this is one of those tragic, tragic stories. Here is a lady who not only had buried her husband, but now was burying her only son. What a tragic story to not only bury your husband, but now to be burying your only son. You have to understand in Jesus' day, in Jesus' culture, uh, there was something so patriarchal about the way things were organised. There were no great welfare benefits coming from the government. There was no great uh, retirement fund that people could lean into. There was something about being connected in your family and your inheritance and your safety and your security and your place in the community came through either your husband or the men in your family. It was, it was just the culture of the day. It was a patriarchal society. So not only was this lady experiencing great grief at the loss of her husband and at the loss of her son, she was also now having to come to terms with the reality that her future was really clouded, that she was now in a place of great vulnerability because those in her family that were going to carry and protect and care for her future were now no longer part of her story. And so Jesus walks into town and the funeral goes on and there's great grief and there's great noise and like all of us, there's great pain as the story unfolds. It goes on. And a large crowd from the town was with her and when the Lord saw her, His heart went out to her and he said, don't cry. Then he went up and he touched the beer that they were carrying. Not different to a coffin, but the thing that they were carrying him through town on. Jesus walks up and he touches the beer. And he said to the bearers, stand still. And then Jesus spoke, young man, I say to you, get up. Can you imagine this? I mean, if I was running a funeral and some nutcase from out of town came in and decided to walk up and start speaking over the coffin and declaring things like this, I'd have security. I'd just have you guys just like, come on, can someone come and remove him from the scene? But Jesus just kind of comes into town in the middle of this funeral procession and walks up to the very coffin that this guy's in and lays his hands on it and starts speaking to the dead guy. He says, young man, I say to you, get up. And the dead man sat up and he began to talk and Jesus gave him back to his mother. And they are all filled with awe and praise God. A great prophet has appeared among us, they said. God has come to help his people. And this news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country. You see, hope and Jesus transforms the way we live life in the midst of death. Before we lose it, I want us to get a hold here of what happens in the midst of tragedy. 
Because Jesus' heart of compassion goes out to this widow in the midst of care. The Bible is very clear to tell us Jesus was moved with compassion. Elsewhere it says Jesus cried when he heard of tragedy in people's lives. Jesus feels the pain that we walk through. But there's something very important that we need to take from this passage and it's this, that there is no one or no thing that is beyond the reach of God's hope. And so Jesus moved by compassion, feeling the pain of the circumstances, reaches out and brings this young man back to life. You know, every single one of us here today are going to face both tragedy and loss in our lives. And as I said, for some of us, it's very real and very raw and very fresh right at this moment. But even if it's not, there will be seasons in life when all of us walk through times of incredible tragedy and incredible pain. Some of us will be like the widow. Our story will be one that is just marked by deep pain and tragedy. But no matter who we are, all of us will walk through times of pain and tragedy. Some of us will face pain and tragedy physically. Where things in our circumstances start to not be right and we start to, our health starts to deteriorate. Some of us will face pain and tragedy relationally. Maybe a close relationship that breaks down or a marriage relationship that breaks down or a family relationship that's torn apart. See, many of us will walk through deep and intense relational pain. Many of us will walk through deep and intense financial pain. You know, that job security that fell apart overnight or, or that investment that was so secure and so right that all fell apart and we lost everything that we had. Despite what tragedy we face in this life, all of us too will have to face the grief and the loss of death. But I want to take us for a moment to this funeral procession going through town and remind us of a couple of really important truths. Whatever we walk through, whatever pain, whatever tragedy, whatever circumstances that come our way, Jesus will be in the midst of it, filled with compassion, filled with comfort and peace for us. Jesus walks through us in the midst of our tragedy, but more than that, Jesus declares that he is in the business, in the ministry of bringing things that are broken and dead back to life. Jesus is in the business of bringing things that are dead and buried back to life the widow in the story mourns because there was no cure for death or so she thought and then Jesus turned up I reckon this morning there's some of us here I'm going to the band to come and join me as we reflect on hope there's some things that we've given up hope on we've given up hope on things in this life and the great story of the scripture and it's a hard one to get our mind around but Jesus still brings things back to life today and the things that don't come back to life today, one day Jesus will bring back to life. Because that's what he does. Jesus makes things alive again. And this story was just, just a pointer to the, what Jesus was going to do in a greater sense. That one day he'll walk up and he'll touch your dead and lifeless body and speak words into it. And you too will experience the resurrection that he experienced. Those that put our faith in Jesus too will walk free from the clutches of death. Our story will have a number and then another dash because that is what Jesus does. See, the hope of the gospel is that Jesus is into bringing things back to life. Let me just talk about some stuff in this moment for us here today. 
Because I reckon there's some of us here that, that we're experiencing some things in our life right now, and it's not death, but there's, there's some things in our life that we probably look at and think, that thing has died. And it might be physical, it might be relational, it might be spiritual. They're things that we've given up all hope on. I just want to remind us of a great truth today. Jesus can bring dead things back to life. And if we've given up hope, maybe it's at our, our absolute end point. It was at the widow's absolute end point when there was nothing else to be done that Jesus stepped in and did the very thing that only He could, which was putting breath back into lungs that weren't functioning was grabbing a heart that had stopped beating and making it beat again. And this might be a physical reality for us in terms of death, but in our relational brokenness, in our spiritual brokenness, in our emotional brokenness, the things that we've mourned as losses in our life, don't give up hope that we serve a God that loves bringing things back to life. You see, this morning, I think we all need to grab a hold of the hope that Jesus has that's going to transform the way we live our life today. You see, the reason we do this series, No One Is Beyond Reach, is because we believe God has called us together to do something that's going to make an impact, not just on our generation, but on generations to come. Now, I've always said when I stop in front of the church, I hate talking about money and we take up an offering every week and that's a really important part of what we do together to make sure that we as a church grow and continue to have an impact on our community. But when we get to this season every year, I have no qualms with asking you to think about how you could generously invest in what God has called us to do together. Because guess what? We have the chance to take the message of hope into a bro broken, hurting world where people think that death is going to be the end of their story but we hold the message of hope not that a new car or a new house or a new life or a new wife or anything else is going to bring the joy and the hope that you need but that Jesus has the capacity to bring life back into your story and life into your dead body and to take you on into all eternity we carry the one message of hope and together God has put us here today for a reason to be bearers of that message, not just to one another, but to all the corners of the world. It's the reason we have a care centre because sometimes the very first step in bringing the message of hope into people's lives is by practically showing them the love of God so they can be open to the ministry of His Holy Spirit in their life. It's the reason that we're going to continue to plant campuses. And it's the reason, Ormo, why one day we're going to put some bricks and mortar on a block of dirt somewhere near here. We don't know where yet, but build a great building so that one day when our story collectively is defined by that, there's going to be a whole generation of new Ormoites that are proclaiming the good news about Jesus to a broken, hurting world. It's the reason why we're going to invest in people that will walk away from cushy jobs and great futures and great retirement plans to go and serve the poorest of the poor in the furthest corners of the world. Because you know what? There is no other message in life that carries hope other than the message of Jesus. And there is no one that is beyond the reach of God's hope. You see, the hope of the Christian story is this. Jesus takes dead things and He brings them back to life. And we saw it one day physically when He walked into a town called Nain and He put His hands on a bier in a funeral and a young man sat back up. But that's the promise of your story. And that's the story that we need to take to our community, to our nation, to our world, that we serve a God that brings dead things back to life. That is the hope that we have. 
It's not a, a, a hope that is founded in chance or, or we hope it's just going to come about that way. It's a hope that is grounded in certainty and assurance because the God that promised it is faithful and the God that promised it showed us how it's done. Because on the third day after they nailed him to a cross and they buried him in a tomb, he got up from the grave, he rolled away the stone and he walked out and he said, the final enemy death has now been defeated. Come and follow me. Father God, there's a whole bunch of us here that need to get a hold of this message of hope for ourselves. We've set our sights on a whole bunch of other things and we've been living life through a filter that forgets that your story is a thing that transforms not just today, not just tomorrow, but us for all eternity. God, I want to pray for those of us here today that that in our lives are carrying things that we've given up hope on. And Jesus, I want to pray that you would breathe new hope into some broken marriages. I want to pray that you would breathe new hope into some fractured family relationships. I want to pray that you'll breathe new hope into those that have just seen their livelihood and their business just crash to nothing. God, that you are the God of hope. You love to bring things that are dead back to life. God, I want to pray that you would minister your power into those circumstances today. But Father, I pray even deeper than that, that we as a church would grab a hold of the message that we steward. A message that one day is going to become our story. But God, it's a message that you've called us to steward, not to hold for ourselves, not to hold out to one day we experience it, but to take it and to proclaim it from the rooftops and the mountaintops and the street corners and the shopping centres. Lord, to proclaim it every time we hand out a food parcel or every time we sell some cheap clothes or every time someone walks in to receive help in a counselling session to declare it every time we plant a brand new church and start declaring that Jesus is the hope of the world the message that we proclaim every time someone goes to the far-flung corners of this globe to both in word and deed declare that there is a God in heaven that loves to bring dead things back to life. God, today we celebrate your resurrection, not just as a great story, but as a great reality. May we live lives driven by your hope. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We are a growing family and everybody who walks through our doors is welcome. If you'd like to connect with us, please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au to find out more.